Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome in. It is the Therese Paler Show on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kiley. We have the one and only Therese Paler alongside me tonight. Dusty Likens producing this bad boy. Get involved. The Protein LZ with the Purpose text line is 69306. Therese, how you doing, my friend? BK, what's going on, baby? Chilling, man. That was a fun game. Wasn't it, though? That was a really fun game to watch. From start to finish, both sides played their asses off. That was a really fun football game to watch yesterday at Arrowhead. And you know what? I think it goes back to what we talked about a couple weeks ago about how the expectations are pretty low without Patrick. So you're just looking to see some competitiveness. And then if you can sneak a few wins here and there, you're happy. Now, granted, to expect one of them to come against Minnesota – a team I've watched a lot this year, a team that plays defense, a team that can run the football, a team that was really, really healthy entering the game. Um, You know, you're going to take this one 100 times out of 100. Now, I will say there was a point in time where I was like, I feel like I'm watching the same game. Like, I thought I was about to watch a rerun. Definitely. Okay, so last week, the Chiefs had a significant fumble early in the second half. Well, Mm -hmm. that check, check, that, that box is checked. That happened this one with McCall Hardman. They relied heavily on Mm -hmm. their kicker. Now, last week he didn't come through, but this week he did in a huge way. Harrison Bucker was great for them this week. Mm -hmm. And they needed the defense late in the game to come up with the stop. Last week it was with five minutes to go. They give the ball back to Aaron Rodgers. He ends up taking it down. The rest is history. This week, though, was different, Therese. This week the defense got the stop when you needed it most, and then the offense was able to go down there for the game-winning drive. I was worried about watching a rerun, and we all know reruns are never good. It didn't work out this time, though. You know what? I thought, like, um, I think that's a good observation. I, I felt like there were def- definitely points in the game where I'm like, yep, they're going to lose. Like, like yeah, the game was close. It was, like, kind of close late, and then, you know, Minnesota took the lead. It's just like, all right, well, that's where this thing's going to go. And you're right. It, it did feel a little bit like a, a rerun um, of last game, but – you know, that's the nature of football, though, right? Like, at the end of the day, some weeks is going to work out for you because it is a game of inches. Some some weeks it won't. But but in, in a global, on like a global scale, I'm really, I, I really think Chiefs fans should be happy with how this team's responded without Patrick Mahomes. They've been competitive. The defense has really stepped up. They hit harder. <laughs> they played more aggressive. Offensively, they've been very um, competent. Matt Moore has pulled some plays out of his ass. Like, it's all kinds of stuff that you're like, hey, you know what? When Mahomes comes back, provided he can stay healthy, maybe this is a Super Bowl team, just like we thought heading into the year. Both of the last two games were 50-50 games, right? Right. Like, could have gone either way. The Packers game could have gone either way. This week, it could have gone either way. You could have said they go 0-2 or 2-0 or 1-1 in this stretch. And I'd be like, yeah, that makes that makes sense. Given the way that both of those games were played, they were true 50-50 games. And that was with Matt Moore at quarterback, man. Like, I just, I keep sitting back here and I'm thinking through like a a Chiefs fan's lens Mm -hmm. of, okay, so 
games against two teams that we both think are pretty good, the Packers and the Vikings. We're 50-50 games with our backup quarterback out there, without Frank Clark out there, the Packers game without Chris Jones out there. And now you're getting back the MVP? Like, I, I don't know how you could possibly be more optimistic about this team than you are. You should be, in my well, opinion, right now, <laughs> given well, the fact that Patrick Mahomes is coming back. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll temper it a little okay, bit. Okay, here we go. Let's I, do I'll temper it a little bit just from the sense that, like, I've been covering this league too long. I've been covering this team too long to know, like, these, these roller coasters. I don't do it because I, I, I just see it. I'm too close to it. I just see it. So I don't okay. do – I just know, like, had they lost the game, like, the whole tenor of it would have been like, oh, you know, what are we going to do? You know, Mahomes is going to come back. You might be bringing him back too soon. Like, I just know how that – yeah, you know that. Like, that's how this thing goes. So um, I, I, I will I will say that the, the, the roller coaster, just like at Cedar Point – you know, I used to have a Magnum roller coaster. And they More make of a your way. World's guy, but I'll yeah. go with it. Oh, really? You never <laughs> been to Cedar Point? I've okay. never been. Okay. Never been. You used to used to go like up on you know the, this, and they would just keep going up and up and up, and then you'd go down. I, we're definitely on like the up and up and up part right now, and I think the the way the defense is played, and I think the way the offense has managed to put points together, and the most the most, and it's not just like it's Matt Moore pulling plays out of his butt. It, it, it's Sammy Watkins is. Travis Kelsey each catching seven passes. It's the Chiefs converting a fourth and one run play mm-hmm. against the Vikings defensive front, something I would not have guessed would happen. And it wasn't a sneak. It was a zone run. It's like, what? They converted that? Like, these are things that you want to see a football team do if they're trying to stay in it without the MVP. Very impressive. So you're not willing to get on the roller coaster, but Therese. I'm strapped in. I'm ready to go. Mm-hmm. I think I'm on the roller coaster right now. And this mm-hmm. morning I heard this audio from D'Angelo Williams, and I got to be honest with you. I, some Chiefs fans might be on the way up. I think I'm on the way down right now. Listen to this from D'Angelo Williams uh, on ESPN earlier today. I don't give a damn about the New England Patriots. I knew New England wasn't what they thought they were or what we thought they were. And I knew that Tom Brady and that offense wasn't as potent as they used to be with the loss of their tight end because that was his comfort zone. He no longer has that cushion. So, therefore, the age is starting to show when he played youthful, good teams. And that's what the Baltimore Ravens did. I'm so ready to be let down. That is an incredible statement from somebody who – has played against the Patriots for the entirety of his career. <laughs> um, I wouldn't put a whole lot of stock in that. I love, I love it. Like I get it, but again, like you kind of, you you cover the league long enough. We we've all done this thing where like I don't know about the Patriots. I don't know. And then like here, here comes January, and they're running the ball on you, and they're calling stuff you hadn't seen, and they're out executing you, and they're getting breaks they shouldn't be getting, and then you lose when it matters. So like, at the end of the day, I also know this. You won't find a bigger Lamar guy than me. I've been consistent about that. But please know whatever Belichick, uh, please know whatever he, he knows, he didn't call everything he's got to slow down sure. Lamar Jackson. I've seen this with him too many times. When he faces Andy in the regular season, the Chiefs beat him, and it's just like, oh, I don't know how to, I don't know how the Patriots go match. Okay, here we go. Guess what? You know, we, we're going to do man coverage, and we're going to call a bunch of stuff that, that, that we didn't do the first time. Well, I'm guessing Belichick knows that he might just face the Baltimore Ravens in the divisional round, and he ain't call it all. He might have called 80% of it, but he definitely didn't call 100. Okay, so I, 
I'm not ready to say I'm not I'm not talking about January. Right? I want to I want to have two different conversations about the Patriots because there's one conversation about the Patriots that I'm really interested in, and okay. that's between now and the end of the regular season. Once January one, so hits, separate January. Okay. Separate that for me for a second, okay? So we're gonna we're gonna talk about the Patriots, and I want to talk about some playoff seating moving forward. I don't think the one seed is off the table for the Chiefs. I don't. I think right now, based on what we just saw last night with the Patriots, I don't know that that gets fixed in the regular season. I don't know what happens in the playoffs, but I've seen all of these things get fixed in the playoffs before. Did you Did you guys talk about this on the earlier show? I talked about it briefly, yeah. What did, what did CDOT say? CDOT disagrees because he's all in on the Patriots, always. How about this? I actually agree with you. Interesting. I, I don't think the one seed is out of the question because mathematically it's certainly not. Sure. But you wouldn't bet on another team no. other than so you so I think I think I think it's like a twenty percent chance of happening. In basically, I think that's reasonable. It. I think you could think about that. Here's the thing: the Patriots' schedule gets a little bit harder down Absolutely. the stretch. We have to think about that. Um, the Chiefs gets easier down the stretch. So I definitely think it's a possibility. Like as long as Patrick can stay healthy, you know, they, they could sweep it. We've seen them do it before. As, there might be one December Andy Reid loss where people get upset, but like outside of that, you still. 12 and 4. So I, I'm actually with you on that. I wouldn't bet on it, but we can talk about it. You know, I think we should be thinking, hey, maybe this is still out there. I'm basically looking at, okay, what's the ceiling for the season? What's the ceiling now look like? Because they just got a victory they weren't supposed to get. You're not supposed to win that game against the Vikings with Matt Moore as your quarterback. You stole that one away, right? You went one and one, which is exactly what we hoped they could do with Matt Moore in there as their starter. The ceiling for the ceiling or excuse me, for the season, is now 13-3, and three, sweeping the rest of the season, as you just said, which includes a victory over the Patriots in New England. Now, that may sound crazy, but we've seen it happen before in the regular yeah. season. Talking regular season here, dismissing the January part of this. The Patriots have, as you mentioned, a really tough schedule coming up. Yeah, They've got no at the Eagles after the bye. They've got the Cowboys, who are a really talented yeah. team and can win that game. They travel to Houston. Then they've got Kansas City. Those are not easy games. They could easily slip up in two of them, including the Chiefs. And now you've got the tie, both teams being 13-3. and three. Chiefs would own the tiebreaker over the Patriots. That's how it happens. Now, it might be unlikely to happen. It probably 20%, 25% of the time does happen. But I'm not willing to say that it's not even in play that the Chiefs could get the one seed now. And I'd, I'd be surprised if anybody who lives here would would, would assume that it's not in play. Um, you know, as long Other as they've C-Dot. got, as long as they've got <laughs> what? Other than CDOT. CDOT um, said it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, CDOT. Come on, man. <laughs> like you know, I love you, man. But we gotta, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta keep our minds open to the fact it's just early in November. You know, there's a lot more football to be played. Um, you know, and look, we also got to realize that this conversation may change with one, you know, you lose to the wrong team. Like this week, they lose to the Titans or something or the Chargers and people will be like, ah, you know. So, like, I we got to understand that's possible, too. But the best case scenario is certainly possible. Um, I, I think reasonably you're expecting the number two seed. I think that's fine. You know, who cares? I, I think that buy, though, in the first round is going to matter a lot more to Kansas City just because of how beat up they are they've been um, than like another team. So they should go for it because I think they're going to need it. Do you think they're the favorite for it right now? Last thing, and then we'll get into the Chiefs run defense because I really want to talk about that today. Do you think that the Chiefs as of today and the AFC are the favorite to get the two seed? Yeah, I do. I do. And, I hey, you know, I like Baltimore. I, I really do. I think Baltimore is really well coached. I think they've caught lightning in a bottle here 
Um, I think Lamar is definitely riding the, hey, this new fun toy wave that we saw with Mahomes last year. Like, I, I definitely think Baltimore's in this conversation. But, yeah, I think that, look, the Chiefs beat them head-to-head. So, yes, I, I still think the Chiefs are the favorite to get the two seed. They still have Andy Reid. Um, and as long as his defense is playing like this, and as long as, remember, as long as we understand that if they're going to play aggressive like this, there's going to be a week at some point where someone puts up 35 and we're going to want to be like, yo, hey, but, but remember, that's an aberration when that comes. In the meantime, they're looking pretty good. And we're going to talk about the run defense later because you, you got that mapped out. We're going to talk about it. But as long as the defense is playing like this and Patrick stays healthy, absolutely they are the odds on favor to get the number two. I want to get into exactly that coming up next. He's Therese Paler. I'm Brandon Kylie. Dusty Likens on the other side. It is the Therese Paler show on 610 Sports Radio. Please get involved. The protein LC with the purpose sex line is 69306. If you have a question for Therese, get it in there. We will get to those coming up at the end of the show. Coming up next, is the Chiefs run defense fixed? Not is it like, okay, is this fixed? Because over the last three weeks, it has been against three pretty good run offenses. We'll get into that next. It is the Therese Paler Show on 610 Sports Radio. The Therese Paler Show, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back. It is the Therese Paler Show on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kyle. We've got Therese Paler, one of the best NFL riders in the country. Yo, yo, yo. Along Let me hear from you. Ride. Protein, I'll see you with a purpose text line, 69306. We'll get to some of your questions coming up here in just a little bit. All right, Therese, because... Something serious has changed over the last few weeks. I remember when Barry Sanders suited up for the Lions. It was like a month ago. It was vintage <laughs> yeah. Barry Sanders. Yeah. I had never seen anything like it. It was yeah. like a 40-year-old Barry Sanders. He yeah. looked fresh, though. Yeah, they were. Looked amazing out there against Kansas City Chiefs. It must have been the case because that run defense Way was a different. little different than what we've seen over the last three weeks. Are you buying into what we've seen against the Broncos, the Packers, and now the Vikings and Dalvin Cook? Um... The question you threw before this thing started, and just kind of buckle in here because this might take a quick sec. I, I don't, I don't think it's fixed per se. Okay, because like any week, you know, just the wrong thing, and you know, it it doesn't take much. But have they definitely trended in the right direction? Yes. Do you have a lot more confidence that if a team were to put up a big rushing number on them, they get back to the median here pretty quickly? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. Um. Reggie Ragland's been huge. I mean, you want to talk about Barry Sanders. I mean, LeVon Kirkland <laughs> playing for the Chiefs all of a sudden, wearing 59 is a pretty good start. You know, um, taking taking Deron Lee off the field and putting him on has been pretty helpful to the stoutness of the run defense, which is why the initial projections this summer were still Reggie Ragland would start. So I think um, he – and by the way, he's, he's, a, he's moving about as well as I've seen him in the NFL – not a coincidence, contract coming up soon. Got it. Like, that's just how this goes. Um, I, I love the aggressiveness this team shows. And I'll also say this. There's something visually appealing to the way they play defense now. It's just a bunch of big athletic dudes who, like, it, it's, a, it's a New York Giants defensive line from, like, mm-hmm. 2008, 2000. It's these guys that definitely look the part. They get upfield in the, as edge rushers. And then the defensive tackles. Right, Derek Nadi looking good. Colin Saunders, an all juice guy. I'm like, yo, I always say, what do I always say, BK? Rookie stink. But I don't think he applies. Nope. Um, and I don't think Thornhill applies, and I don't think Hardman applies. I think, you know, we're getting some pretty good, um, we're getting some pretty good production from this. And also keep an eye on Allegretti. 
I like his aggressiveness. He plays like a real, like a real, you know, red ass. I really like. So, okay, bottom line is defensive line with Chris Jones, and I think we'll talk about that in a minute. Yes. At edge, I'm going to tell you why I really like that. Sweet. We're on the same page. Okay, yeah. Okay, this is something we talked about earlier today. Let's let's get into it now because I think the one the number one thing that I loved about what they did this week, Chris Jones, clearly not up to 100%, wasn't in there for all the snaps, but when he was in there, he was great. And they were using him on the edge on first and second down to be really good against the run. They had Nadi in there. They had Colin Saunders in there. And then they'd put Chris Jones out on the edge. And then they'd flip him inside on third down as a pass rusher. You can pay two defensive ends. If he's able to do that consistently moving forward, you can pay him and Chris Jones. That's perfectly fine. You got Nadi. You got Saunders inside. They're cheap. They're cost controls for the next few years. That's Go the for key it. to it, right? I like what I saw from Chris Jones at defensive end, and I would like to see more of it moving forward. Yeah. Guess who else would like to see more of that? Chris Jones, because yeah, that you tag got number. Wait, but guess what? He's always fashioned himself as a defensive end. Interesting. Okay? He's always seen himself that way. Chris Jones, 300 pounds. Mm-hmm. But even three years ago, he doesn't look at himself as a 300-pounder. Look at the things he said to us in the media before. Coach, throw me the ball. I'm an athlete. I can't. He is somebody that even watching the tape in college, when they drafted him, I said, you know what? Little Neil Smithy, you know? Like, I, I thought that he had a little outside edge rushing capability. Inside, he's just so lean and long, he's going to get moved a little bit when he doesn't win with the initial quickness and swim. But outside, he's a supersized edge rusher. And I think you get the best um, version of him because he believes he's an edge rusher too. So, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Saunders and Nadi. They're cheap. They got him those guys in the third round. Even their fourth-year cap numbers are going to be cheap. So, you're right. They can pay Chris Jones, and guess what? I've reported this. I'm going to report it again. I'm going to tell you guys. They want to keep Chris Jones. Now, this is a business. Chris is being made to play, sing for his supper. So guess what? There's not going to be a hometown discount now. You're going to have to pay him. The contract is going to have to look like Clark's. You know, like it, he wants his money because they paid a guy from the outside before paying him. He's a likable guy who fans love, who teammates like. Okay. So he's going to want his money. But you're right. If the Chiefs can play him at the edge rush or as an edge rush on early downs and shift him inside, reduce inside, and some nickel looks um, on third down, you can get value out of that. And I think that might be where we're headed. It reminds me of what Spags used to do with Justin Tuck. I love kind of right? It was great. Yeah, Like Justin Tuck was a guy who early on downs was going to play outside and then they'd kick him in and they'd have three pass rushers and you didn't know where any of them were going to end up, right? He could crash outside. He could yeah. go in. Like, you don't know where any of these dudes are going to end up, but that was part of it. And they could of, still win. Yeah. And that's the key. If you have three defensive ends going against five, and it's most of the time they'd rush four, but if those four can get home against your five or six, you know, you have numbers in the back end. And that's what makes it difficult to beat. That's what beat Tom. That's what beats Tom Brady. That's what beats these elite quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers, in the playoffs. So the key for him is obviously staying healthy, but he's all the way motivated to have a big year, baby. So please know you will get the best version of Chris Jones as long as he can get out there and perform. At this point, Therese, I don't know that they have a choice. Like I don't know if they have a choice but to keep Chris Jones because yeah, it's tough, right? He, he's he's so good. He's so important. He. He's done everything you could possibly want as a Chiefs fan or as somebody that's in management for the Chiefs. He's, over the last two years, shown you the on-field production. He held out 
for the offseason and then showed up to training camp and was ready to go whenever you needed him it to wasn't be. a long holdout like i appreciate that you know like he got in there right everything you can ask from a player chris jones has done and the production's been there and now it's time to pay him this is this is this is the price of play, playing poker it does nothing but go up the longer that you wait if it costs $21 million because he's got to get paid more than what Frank Clark did, and that's I'm, – I'm guessing here. I'm I, Maybe you know more than I do, but I certainly am just guessing. you got to pay him $21 million. It's going to cost you $105, $106 million over five years. you got to do what you got to do. I, I don't think they have a choice but to be but to make <laughs> sure that he's back next year. I, I don't know if it would be more than Frank. It would be in that neighborhood, though, and it might be. Um, if I'm but, him, I would do it just to make a point. And I mean, look, it might be, but I, but I, but I'll say this: if you're willing to do that, that that's why these draft picks matter, and that's why you know they didn't go over the moon on like some of the, some of the draft stuff. Um, you you you'd pay you know a first and like a third for Ramsey because he's worth it. Like if you get a Jaden Ramsey in the first round, you like, hey, you know, <laughs> we cook it with gas. No, nah, it's great. Um, yeah, hey, guess what? It, it, the Minka Fitzpatrick thing, he's transformed the Steelers. So he's a really good player. He's a free safety. He would help this football team because the more good, versatile cover men that can cover ground, he could complement Juan Thornhill and Badger, right? So, um, my, but even that wasn't the price that you would have had to pay, that, that the Rams paid for Ramsey, two firsts and a fourth. So it was always going to be kind of cost versus like long-term building. But if, if you want to pay Chris Jones, you're going to need these draft picks because you got to hit on those picks to keep the talent level around Patrick high because you, you, you're going to pay him. You're going to pay Chris Jones. Those are three gigantic salaries. And pretty soon, if that's the case, you're going to have to fill the offensive line with draft picks you really like. And I'm going to tell you something with offensive linemen. I've noticed you can draft them in the middle rounds and develop them. Okay. But for the most part, the ones who end up being really good, they're top three-round guys. Yeah, you, you, everyone has eyes. Like, we know who the biggest, strongest, baddest guys are. So you, you better put yourself in a position to draft, and that's why draft capital matters. On that point, and I want to get to this, and then we'll get to Patrick Mahomes and how they handle this moving forward, I got to give Brett Veach a little bit of credit. I was harsh on him last week because he didn't make a move. Brett Veach took a huge gamble by not adding a corner at the deadline. And so far, and we'll see how this goes moving forward, these corners have been better than I could have possibly anticipated. Therese, over the last five weeks, all of us opposing wide receivers, when the quarterbacks target them, their quarterback is worse than what we've seen from Mitch Trubisky this year. I got to give Brett Veach a little bit of credit. I want to get your opinion on this. We'll get to that on the other side. Plus, okay. how do the Chiefs manage Patrick Mahomes from here? Is this really the week he's coming back? We'll get to that with Therese Paler. It is the Therese Paler Show on 610 Sports Radio. The Therese Paler Show, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back. It is the Therese Paler Show on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kiley. He is Therese Paler. Get your questions in on the Protein LZ with a purpose text line 69306. We'll get into those coming up here in just a little while. All right, Therese, so Mitch Trubisky has actually been playing quarterback for every team that the Chiefs have been going up against over the last five weeks. <laughs> you didn't notice it, but that's exactly what's happened because when opposing quarterbacks are targeting their receivers against the Chiefs, they become Mitch Trubisky. I don't understand what's happening. They have zero touchdowns and two interceptions when targeting receivers against the Chiefs over the last five weeks. And this is good quarterbacks and some good receivers going well, up against the Chiefs. Statistically, like it sounds like that, I – 
watching Trubisky closely as I have the <laughs> I can tell you that's not exactly true. Uh, I mean, because I'm not seeing the quarterbacks the Chiefs are facing, like, be timid in the pocket. Of course. And completely, like, overshoot <laughs> wide-open receivers and refuse to run when you should run. I'm telling you right now, what's happening in Chicago with Trubisky, he's clearly hurt. He's got a big black harness on his left shoulder. And, like, he's missing throws. He's tim- Like, have you ever seen a quarterback timid on a check down? Like, just, like, refuse to, like, like – Pump fake a wide open check down. Like, look at the guy, do this, and then, like, have to do it again. It's like. I saw Drew ball. Locke do that as a freshman at Mizzou. <laughs> All right, that's I fair like, enough. <laughs> right, okay. Have you seen that's, that? That's I like that. that. That's really funny. You actually helped my point. In tw- in, like, in 2015, yeah, but. That's always a sign then, of an overwhelmed quarterback. <laughs> I love the fact that you just waited to spring that. That's great. Um, yeah, yeah, that's the sign of, like, an overwhelmed quarterback. Yeah. And it's like, uh, so. So, like, statistically, with, with the way you just defined it, like, yes. But just trust me when I say the, t- the timidness, the, the incompetence with Trubisky right now is something. Like, it, look, if the Chiefs were seeing that every week, it'd be 42-10 every week. Just trust it's me. It's a different level of bad, no doubt. My point is, though, the Chiefs' corners have been good. Like, we didn't really they notice it up, uh, they up really front. They really have. I certainly didn't give it enough credit, and I didn't believe in it until we're now here. Well, we've mentioned it a few times, though, right? Like, we mentioned this early in September. I've mentioned that bit. they're better. I know I, I mentioned it. I, I don't think I've mentioned that they've been good. And, and they've they've yeah, been, yeah. like, objectively good. Traverius Ward-Torres looks good. Like, he, he looks like a guy you could maybe pay this offseason. Well, it, it's a... It's the kind of deal where, like, I always liked how physical they were. I, I thought they competed with the ball that was in the air. Um, and, and they were, like, around the football, even when guys made catches over, which is a pretty good sign. I mean, mm-hmm. they were doing that in September. So, like, it wasn't like, you know, it, it wasn't like they was just getting roasted by cats every single week. There was just moments where it's like we thought that the second di- the corners were below average. And then there were, there were moments that happened that kind of, like, made you think, yeah, that's right. That's why we thought that. But overall, like I always thought, even early in the season, they were competitive. They were around the football, and there was a room for them to get better. Um, you're right, though. Like I feel like teams, um, uh, the Chiefs cornerback group right now, as it stands, even though they were and have been looking for secondary help, the corners have really stood up, you know, um, all those guys. And they deserve credit for it. But, you know, they better keep rolling. Like, I, I think they'll be fine this week. Trust me. The, the Tennessee offense, I <laughs> – it is not fun to watch. You say Ryan his, Tannehill not great. I, I'm, I, I'm telling you, you know, just if you can contain Derrick Henry, you're gonna be okay. Um, Tannehill will run around and try to do stuff, but unless he gets lucky, it's not gonna really work. Um, you know, it, it's gonna be really important for them to continue to play well, though, because it, at certain points down the stretch, they'll be tested. But I, I don't expect it to start this week. So. The big storyline for this week, of course, is Patrick Mahomes and whether or not he's going to play. I know you have certainly been out on out front reporting, basically out from the get-go. This was kind of the target date for the Chiefs to try to bring him back. Jay Glazer over the weekend said that a doctor told the Chiefs that he had a 40% chance, Patrick Mahomes said, of dislocating his kneecap inside of the 21-day time frame, but that goes down to a 10 to 15% chance after 21 days. Yesterday was the 17-day mark. Next Sunday will be the 24-day mark, so that'll be more in the 10 to 15% range. Therese, what are you hearing? What what can you tell our listeners about Patrick Mahomes and his chances of playing next Sunday? Well, look, 
there was a chance he was going to play Sunday, like despite um, the fact, like he wants, like he, the kid wants to get out there. Like he, 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 he gets like the warrior part of it, being out there for your teammates. The Chiefs have held him back, and good for there's them, only man. there's yeah exactly good right. for them. There's only so long you're gonna be able to do that though <laughs> with a franchise quarterback. Um, you know, I, I do think he'll start this week. Like it's been trending that way. I've, I was told he looked good. He looked good last week. You know, he looked good. Um, celebrating. right, right, I know exactly. That. <laughs> he was moving. You know. Yeah. Also, shout out to the like teammates to be like, hey, no, nah, <laughs> like let's stay away from this guy. I love that part of it. Um, yeah, I, I think it's certainly trending that way, and. I'm a little careful with injury reporting because I've done this long enough to know that all it takes is for the guy to wake up differently with a twinge on Wednesday. And then the news changes and then people are just like, hey, you know, you said fill in the blank. Well, things can change if guy if something happens, if he re-aggravates us. But if he continues to go on this upward plane, I do think he'll play. Is this the right decision from Therese Paler's opinion? We were talking earlier today on the show. I have now arrived at the place of I'm good with it. Like there, there is, there is so much Wait, on the line potentially. Where does Cedar come out on that? He's with me, and Wait, Sean's Sean? on the other side. He, he, he would be good with them resting him over the next two weeks. You get the three weeks because of the bye week, and then you start him coming out of That's the bye. I, I just because of what we talked about earlier with the one seed potentially still being out there, and I think these would be. Close to 50-50 games if he didn't play. If, if Matt Moore's back out there, Mexico City against the Chargers, 60-40. <laughs> yeah, just... This game, like, maybe it goes ugly. Derrick Henry has a good day, 50-50, 60-40. It's on the road. Like, yeah. just get the wins. Bank the wins. If he's good enough to be out there, I'm in yeah. favor of them going ahead and starting. Because, you know, I was I, – I, I was we were in that bunker together. Yeah. And I even wrote a comment about it. I'm like, hey, this season doesn't matter as much as the next 15 on Patrick. I wrote that the night of the injury. And, you know, I obviously still feel that way. But I've heard enough positive stuff about how this rehab is going and, like, how the things have – and, like, how, like, the cert, how, how, like, how, like the, the information the doctors have told – I've heard enough to feel comfortable with it, too. I'm okay with it. I'm glad he didn't play Sunday. I felt like that would have been unnecessary, um, you know, because Matt Moore got pressured a little bit on Sunday. I'm, I'm glad that they – right? So, like, good. Good for you. Um, and so, I've gotten to a place where I'm okay with it. Um, I, I just hope that they still – smart with their play calling they're not asking him to throw 50 times unless they really need it um just to you know just because i think they can win in some different ways and you know bk it also has to do with the fact that like the way andy's called the games the last few weeks it's i feel like it's empowered guys a little bit man like you know a fourth and one run and they convert against the vikings like them those men up front like hey you know guys are stepping up like let let like let them do that like it's kind of like jordan and the bulls like in the 90s, remember, like, Jordan would let his teammates kind of get theirs for the first three quarters, and then the Bulls would be trailing by 12 in the fourth, and it's like, up oh, here we go. And then Jordan would just take over, and they'd win. You know, that's kind of how I think it's got to be because, um, you know, once you've had your knee cap dislocate like that, it, it can come out again. It gets a little easier for it to come out again. We know that. So I wouldn't be just exposing him to lots of, of hits course. for no reason, yeah. right? Well, I don't know if it's of course. It's Andy calling plays. He likes, <laughs> he likes to call his, his passing plays. So um, I, I do think that he gets how important the kid is, though. So I had one question about the running game. We've talked a lot about the passing game. The running game, I'm really curious where, where you're at on this because Damian Williams had the huge 91-yard run in this one. <laughs> Otherwise, 
He had 34 yards in his other 11 carries. Man, he man. got, like, all the snaps. LaShawn McCoy had six in this game. You got to hold on to the ball. Uh, is, is that what's going on here? Is it is it as simple as LaShawn McCoy's been fumbling and now he's not well, seeing the field? Like, is it, is it that simple? Well, they they do like Damian Williams. Like, they like, like, the work-a-day toughness he brings. He's a blocker. He can catch. He's working on his vision. Like, the nice thing about the 91-yard run was that he hit the cutback. We all like that. Want to see him do that more. We'll see him do that consistently. But He's and if working he could, on his vision. It, it, you know, I love he can, the way you couch that. And if he can <laughs> – no, it wasn't a couch. It was an outright – like, you know, he, if he can – because that, that actually is something that, like, a running back coach, if you watch enough tape and you run the same zone concepts, you can train your eyes to see it. Interesting. You know, you really can. Like, that. that's, a, like, a real thing. Um, now, some guys just have natural – like, they just see it all, and, and it's rare. But, like, there's some guys that just Trent have Richardson to work on it. Right, and it's, a, it's a horse blind. You know, there's – yeah, like, he's you just, call – He's just going to run. If you call 23 dive, it is going in that three <laughs> hole, and it that is it, right? So, yeah, look, he does enough good things. And I'll say this, too. Even if a guy kind of has the horse blinders on, if the offensive line can block it, it don't really matter. Like, it doesn't. Like, if they can block it, and they're physical up front, and they're creating the space in the gap. Like, that's that can almost be a good thing. So, um, at the end of the day, you know, there'll be another big shady game at some point this year. Like, it, it will. Both those guys kind of do a lot of the same things. They'll ride the hot hand there. Um, it, it, it is enough of a – they are similar enough that they're going to be able to kind of work both those guys in there. I got no issue with that, honestly. I got no issue with it. Damian Williams has had his good games. We saw last year what he's capable of in the playoffs. We've seen LaShawn McCoy have good games. As long as LaShawn McCoy can handle the ball and not fumble, I got no issue with him being out there. You know, by the way, and I, I'm, I'm ready for your, your little t- texts about then why is he playing, but I, they still like Darwin Thompson. The, but the thing is that he's a six-round pick from Utah. So guess what? Utah right. State. Yeah, 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 Utah State. Yeah, thank you. That's the key, <laughs> yeah, right? Not Utah just Utah. Would Utah would He'd be, be great. Today. Yeah, thank you. So, like, he's a, yeah, he's a six-round pick from Utah, so guess what, okay? You're working on the blocking. You're working on picking up the scheme because you don't pick up that blocking, especially where Patrick Mahomes is at right now. You pick up the wrong thing, and guess what? Season's over just like that. So this is the kind of thing that gets better with time. I've seen this happen. They like Sharkandrick West a lot, okay? And he needed some time to acclimate to their, their blocking schemes and how they do things. Understand this. They have eyes. He's very elusive. He's a yoked-up little dude who's fast. They think he's going to be good, but they can't put him out there until he fully gets the block, until he fully gets the playbook. But there will come a time. His time will come. They, 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 there's a, he's a guy that I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, potentially make an impact in 2020. He's Therese Paler. I'm Brandon Kylie. It is the Therese Paler Show on 610 Sports Radio. We have one more segment left for you guys today. We would love to get your questions. Get them in on the Protein House Eat With a Purpose text line. Therese would love to answer some of those coming up for you here in just about 10 minutes or so. Coming up next, Vikings fans took over Arrowhead yesterday. I wanted to ask Therese about that. Plus, we go around the NFL and get your texts from the listeners. All of it coming up. It is the Therese Paler Show on 610 Sports Radio. The Therese Paler Show, 610 Sports Radio. We're wrapping things up here on the Therese Paler Show. I'm Brandon Kylie. He is Therese Paler. Give him a follow on Twitter. He's at Therese Paler. I'm at BK Sports Talk. Also, the Protein House Eat With a Purpose text line is 69306. We'll get some of your questions coming up here momentarily after we go around the NFL. All right, Therese. 
One of the big storylines coming out of yesterday's game was the Vikings fans that infiltrated Arrowhead Stadium. Did you see some of the pictures as yeah, to what was going nah, on bro, I was watching them. I saw that. I know. I, I got I to gotta say, that surprised me a little bit, man. These fans really care about this team. That's crazy. So, Chris Jones talked about this after the game. Here's what he had to say. Minnesota kind of pissed me off doing that in our state. I'm like, you're not going to come at Arrowhead and do that. You know what I mean? So, we had to respond big. Did you have an issue with it? Because I got to be honest with you, Therese. I can't bring myself to care about it. I really can't. Like, I get it. You don't want Minnesota fans coming down here and being 40% of the crowd. But at the same time, like, if I'm a Minnesota fan, this is the game that I would have had circled on my calendar, right? You play Green Bay every year. You can always go to Green Bay. You can always oh, watch yeah. Aaron Rodgers. Easy There's drive. only one time when you can, a, yeah, yeah. you can make a, a quick drive down to Kansas City, to a stadium that's a really cool environment, and you can go tailgate throughout the afternoon. On Saturday, you can get yourself some good barbecue. And at the time when I'm sure most of these people bought the tickets, you wanted to go see Patrick Mahomes. Like, bro, I get this. Kansas City's like a sneaky good, like, NFL road trip city. Like, here's the deal. Like, most people who have, like, the means and time to go on an NFL road trip like, grew up watching NFL films and, like, seeing Derek Thomas and actually, like, viscerally, like, seeing how kind of, like, the Arrowhead mythology. I mean, even I did, right? So, like, it's actually a really cool place to watch a football. It's, like, one Absolutely. of the last college, style, like, college feel NFL stadiums in the NFL. So, yeah, like, of course the Viking fans would be like, all right, you know, yeah, like, let's make this road trip. You can make the road trip. You get some barbecue. You know, it, it's, it's it's in early November, so, like, it's not it, – the weather probably won't be bad. Um, and I'll tell you this, man. Like, I understand, like, sometimes Chiefs fans can be defensive. Like, did, did were any fans upset when you guys were doing this thing earlier? Yeah, it, it's it's kind of – it's probably 70-30 in terms of fans being, like, whatever. It, and then it, it 30%. Was cool. 30% it, were, like, well, upset about the, the fact that – the biggest thing that I saw was – it makes it look like Arrowhead's no longer an advantage. And the the thing they were upset about was Chiefs fans selling the tickets to Vikings fans. Those oh, are probably oh. the top two things. No, I mean, were any fans upset about players saying this upset them? I haven't seen it. Okay, yet. good. Because guess what? NFL players use everything as motivation. Of course. Like, this is how – it's not of course. Like, this this is what they do. You know, like, this is how – you know, this is that's the athlete mentality. Like, whatever they have to do to, like – motivate themselves to get out there and play football it's fine it's fine um you know Chiefs fan like listen i'm with you like listen people have lives outside of football outside of the nfl you sell your tickets or whatever you know good for you like you got to make a living you got to support your family these same people are going to be the ones who are going to be they're not going to do that in january you know if they have a january home game they'll probably be there for that so like Fine. Like, who cares? You know, at the end of the day, everyone's trying to get by. Football is fun, but everyone's trying to get by. And the game was fun. And the Chiefs won. And ultimately, that's what we all care about. Elsewhere in the NFL, there were a lot of pretty tremendous storylines this week. And let's go around the NFL with you real quick, Therese. First question for you. Sunday Night Football was awesome. I loved watching Lamar Jackson. I loved the black jerseys for the Ravens. Oh, they had it all going. I loved the fact that they were able to take down the Patriots. Did we learn more last night about the Ravens or the Patriots? I think we learned more about the Ravens. I, I'm fine with the Patriots. I, I don't care about last night. But for them, for the Ravens, it was important for them to like have a good showing against that team. And they they passed the test. Like It was a game. They wouldn't, didn't just win. They won pretty handily. Lamar was balling out. Like That's the kind of thing that builds confidence within the team. It's a fan base excited. Um, we learned that 
the, the Ravens are a team to be concerned about in the AFC. Elsewhere in the AFC, the Colts really struggled yesterday against the Steelers. Some of that was because they were without their quarterback. At this point, Therese, you think it's okay if we put the Patriots, the Chiefs, the Ravens, and the Texans in the top tier and the Colts a tier below? Yeah, that's where I'm at on that. Um, I was never really – I never was coming off the Texans kind of being the favorites in the division. They, now, the Texans have had some losses we haven't been crazy about. But at the end of the day, they do have Deshaun Watson, who is re- reaching the peak of his powers much quicker than many people could have expected. So, yeah, I, I think they're going to win that division. And their team to reckon with, like if you play poorly in the divisional round, they can beat you. Th- more specifically, that guy can beat you. Biggest disappointment this season, Therese. There's three of them I think that you can go to immediately. The oh. Jets, the Bears, or the Browns? Oh, the Browns. Oh, the Browns. Listen, everybody, like they, they've had, oh, they had magazine spreads. They had magazine covers, commercials, all this kind of stuff. They're telling everybody how good Baker's got some be. good commercials. He's, he's good in those commercials. Telling everybody how good, but they're not winning. And I say that I love Baker, though. I love the swagger. I wish it was working out. I don't blame Baker. I think he's a good player. I'm blaming their coaching. Um, the inability to get a talent like Odell Beckham to football is ridiculous. Um, they, they, the, the offense, they seem to understand that running the football is what they do best, but they still don't have, like, ways to, like, beat teams consistently off that. This is coaching. I think if you gave Andy Reid that roster, they'd be 6-2 and two or something or 5-3. and three. Like, they, it'd be way different. He'd find a way to scheme around oh, the offensive line. Well, let, let's just say this. How about this, okay? Um, Leonard Fournette would not have more <laughs> catches than Odell Beckham Jr. That's real right now, that's, by the way. Is that real? I'm, yes, I that's real. That <laughs> no, yeah, no, it's true. No, look at it. It's true. He does. One more catch than Odell Beckham Jr. Leonard Fournette was not thought of as someone who could catch the football coming out of college. But it's true. That's impossible. We're halfway through the NFL season, Therese. I don't that's know. impossible. I, that, that sounds like a scheme problem to me. I, I would say that sounds like a pretty massive scheme problem. All right, last one before we get to your text at the Protein LC with the Purpose Text Line 69306. Therese, the Raiders or the Chargers? Both of them got some pretty impressive wins over the weekend. Which one of those AFC West teams do you think is going to be more frisky down the stretch? I like the way the Raiders are playing, man. Like, I, I feel like they're slow. You know, they but they know who they are. They're a team that's going to win with the run game. They're going to throw um, with John Gruden schemed up throws off the run game. They're going to cut block you. You know, they, they but they know who they are. And the defense is like, they kind of, they get a little frisky, even though they're slow too. John Gruden's done a really nice job with this team, especially after the Antonio Brown debacle. Um, I think that team's going to finish seven and nine, eight or eight or something. But that's really good compared to where they were. I think another offseason, the Raiders could be, like, genuinely frisky. That's what we've got for you in Around the NFL. Therese, what do we have from the Texters? Protein, I'll see you with the Purpose Text Line 69306. I appreciate the questions. As always, you know, I do my best to answer them. So I'm going to answer some of the best ones I got here. Um, first one, Therese, did they make changes to the scheme on D? Did they move away from read to react to more shooting gaps and attacking? That kind of, yes, 100%. You just... You want to watch the next Chiefs game, just watch the way upon the snap guys seem to be flowing to the line of scrimmage and attacking downhill. They get their keys and they go. Um, I felt like in the past they, they were kind of like waiting and like kind of receiving. And it, 
that's a hard way to play defense in a league where everything is already scheme is already slanted toward the offensive line. So, uh, to the saw offense. that story at Mizzou yeah, too. Exactly. It didn't yeah, work exactly. out well. So you can't you can't just do, yeah exactly right. We were <laughs> they, no their D coordinator got fired. Right. You you spent all these you spent a decade fostering D line zoo and then you just changed that. What kind? No, that doesn't make any sense. So like yes, I, I love the move toward being aggressive defensively. Um, someone else asked. Therese, it seems like the Chiefs ran a fair amount of pass plays out of 12 personnel to ensure Moore had time. Is that a sustainable strategy? One um, running back, two tight ends. Yeah, yep, thank you. Um, and the the truth is, that's like an underrated way to throw the football in the NFL. Like the, one of the best scheme things that the best coaches do is give you like run-oriented looks and then just pass out of them. Um, a lot of t- teams don't do that as much as you think. Um, and, and the Chiefs really have only done it recently because Mahomes has been out, but it would work with Mahomes. They did it last like, year. They you know, did it last year with Demetrius Harris. You know, it, it, and but not this year because yeah. they don't have Demetrius Harris, right? <laughs> but but it is but it is something that I do think works. You're right. So they did use it last year, and we've seen it work. I mean, how many times was Demetrius Harris open last year? Because you're not going to devote extra resources to him. So that's why I do think a, I do think a tight end might be a high priority in the draft this year, like higher than people think. Uh, One thing about that, if you put the tight end on means McCall Hardman has to come off. That's yep. for, for those of you that are upset about the fact that McCall Hardman <laughs> hasn't been playing, that's one thing about it. <laughs> but I will say that some of the some of the uh <laughs> eleven snaps let like you know, he's still like working on the side adjustment system. But when he gets that stuff down, he will be coming off less and less. And by the way, you know, next year he might be the guy opposite Hill too. So like that won't be a problem next year. Sammy, good game this week by the way. Yeah, Sammy looks good. good. Gotta stay healthy. Gotta they're going to need him when it matters. When he's healthy. He looks good out there. I just hope that he's able to stay healthy. We've got, what, seven more weeks left? Mm-hmm. I'm sure he'll be fine. Yeah, he'll be see. great. They're hoping. Just get to January. They're hoping. Just get to January, Sammy. <laughs> That's all we ask for you. He's Therese Paler. It's been a wonderful time with you, Therese. Thank you so much for hopping on with us once again. We'll be back next week from 6 to 7 p.m. right here on 610 Sports Radio. Be sure to download the Radio.com app. Subscribe to the podcast. You can check it out there or on 610sports.com. For Therese Paler. I just wanted to say I appreciate the one who said nothing would make me happier than BK and Paler broadcasting on the reg. Thank you. Show us more love. He's Therese Paler. I'm Brandon Kylie, Dusty Likens. It's Therese Paler Show. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.